Church. Hey, it's lovely to be here and to share with you again here at Sunnybank. Um, You know, God has a purpose with his many churches and I'm just sitting there thinking how um, about 45 years ago this church had a small part in my growth as a very young Christian. I grew up over in Acacia Ridge and um, Anala areas and um, when it came to grade 8, There was no high school over at Acacia Ridge and so I was sent to Sunnybank High School. And um, I can remember very clearly the minister from Sunnybank Church coming each week and taking us mob of rowdy kids and teaching us about Jesus. Um, In fact, I remember him very well because later on I worked with him, um, the Reverend Stan Nickerson, and um, he was a very young Stan Nickerson 45 years ago. Um, but it was a great blessing. And, and as a regional consultant working with Queensland Baptists, I have this wonderful privilege of going from church to church and realising that whilst God has put us in a particular context and given us a particular sphere of influence and mission, um, God is working with us corporately as well as a body of people who want to follow Jesus. And so this morning I'd like to bring greetings from the other 200 or so um, Baptist churches around Queensland who are meeting and who are also seeking to be followers of Jesus. And um, it's so exciting because God is growing his church through our movement of churches. Um, We are a growing denomination. Um, We are becoming much more diverse than we ever have been before. Um, You know that there's about 25 congregations now where English is the second language. And so this morning in many different languages from around the world, people are gathering to worship Jesus. Um, Some of our churches are becoming huge churches. God is growing them. But there are other churches which are small but effective as they minister in various rural, suburban and other settings. And so I'd certainly like to bring you that greeting. This morning I want to speak about the topic of extending God's kingdom. And um, last year um, we had a focus in our churches on the fact that God has called us to the work that he is already doing of extending his kingdom. And as I I think about that topic, um, I realise that what binds us together is not that we are similar people, not that we come from similar backgrounds, But what binds us together is that we're a people who are wanting to follow Jesus and do what he's called us to do. And that's no more clearly stated than what we call the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. And these were Jesus' commissioning and parting words to those who would follow him. And he said this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. And folks, um, there are a lot of things that are associated with church. um, But what gives us our sense of moving forward is that we have a purpose and a mission, and that is to share the good news with Jesus. As somebody who is very much a local church person but over the last six years has had the opportunity to move amongst many churches, I've seen how God has been leading us as a a group of churches on particular ways in which God wants us to be followers of Jesus. And it's translated itself out into some focuses that we've had over the last four years and you may be familiar with some of these. 
Um, the first one was this, um, that we want to be a people who encounter God. It's so easy to try and do church in our own strength. But we want to be a people who hear God, hear what he's saying to us, and then seek to put that into action. We want to be people who are imitators of Jesus, um, that we just don't have a head knowledge about our Christianity, but in fact it translates out into our life, our attitudes, the way that we live, the actions that we take. We want to be intentional about ministry, we actually want to realise that God has placed us in this time and this place for a purpose and that God loves the community that surrounds this church and the spheres of influence that he's given us. And so we want to be intentional about sharing the good news of Jesus. And then last year and continuing on has been this theme of extending God's kingdom. And that is that um, God actually wants to see people to come to know him as their Lord and as their Saviour. And it's been fascinating as um, I've moved around churches to hear stories that that's happening. Um, a little country church that I know of not too far outside of Ipswich um, had just a handful of members. Um, and this year they've had, I think it was about 14 baptisms of young people who want to follow Jesus. And another group who've committed their lives to follow him. Um, and time and time again we've seen that. Our our, um, we asked the churches to send some figures in and the figures that came in, um, in this last year for the number of baptisms across all of our churches had increased by something like 10%. God is at work, not because we're good or clever, but because he loves us. He loves our communities and he wants us to be part of that. And so this morning I want to turn to the book of Acts chapter 10. And this passage I'm going to read is 9 to 23. In fact, all of chapter 10 and even into chapter 11 focuses on a particular story. This story is the story of a Roman soldier called Cornelius. And it seems to me that when you look in the book of Acts, not a lot of space in a book like that. Having a chapter and a half about something tells me that it must be a very, very important thing that's there. So if you have your Bible or you can follow it on the screen, I'm just going to read part of that passage starting from chapter 10 and verse 9. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up onto a roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. And the voice spoke to him a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and immediately the sheep was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. And while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon... Three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. 
Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? And the men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He's a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to have, to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. And then Peter invited the men into the house as his guests. I don't know about when you read the Bible, whether there are some parts that really excite you, but I love reading the book of Acts. It's sort of like the first Christian revival where the gospel is preached, where people come to faith. If you go back to Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost, when those disciples burst out into the street front, where you think, in fact, they would be in fear of their life, they actually preached the gospel boldly. And it tells us about 3,000 people came to faith on that day. As you continue to go through those early um, chapters of the book of Acts, God is with that church. It's growing. It's finding favour with the people. It's having a huge impact on the Jewish population of those people around there. But even in the midst of what seems to be an amazing success for the church, they still haven't got the picture that God wants them to have. They still haven't understood just how wide and great God's vision is. Sure, they knew from the Old Testament that God was going to call the Jews as a special people, not for themselves, but that they might be a blessing to all nations. And in Acts 3.25, um, that, that's repeated. But the reality was that they were caught up in mission to people who were like them. Mission to people who had the same sort of background. And God wanted to teach them something more. He wanted to show that God's love was sufficient for this whole world. And that in fact, even though they were experiencing God's blessing, God wanted to transform their thinking so that they could even be more effective in doing what God's will was. And so we see here in the story of Cornelius when the mission of the church changed from being just the Jews to out into people of all nations. It's a fascinating story um, because it talks about the rooftop and it seems to me around the world at the moment that people are starting to think about the rooftop again. Last year, we had a visitor um, by an English evangelist called Dennis Pethers. We held some meetings here in Brisbane. In fact, it was kind of um, interesting for me because when I met him, um, I was actually born in England and um, he was saying he came from his place called Chelmsford, which is the main town and it's not too far from where I was born. But in fact, when we talked about the villages, he came from the village that I was born in. That's the church that he went to. Um, I knew the places that he talked about. But he has this heart to encourage people, to share the gospel with all those people around. And he has um, been involved in England and in America and now in Australia and other parts of the world, starting this thing that he calls a rooftop movement. It's very simple, really. It's based on Acts chapter 10. And he's encouraging churches to find a high point in their community, whether it's a hill or a tall building or whatever it is, to go up onto that place to pray specifically for the people who they can see within their line of sight. Not just to pray, but to be open for God to speak to them about how he has a heart to reach out to those people. 
And so this morning as we look at Acts chapter 10, I want to look at some principles there about the story of Cornelius, which is just like that. And I think God is challenging us to broaden the way that we think about this great mission that God has called us to. The first principle is this. God is not waiting for us to work in our community. God is already active and at work all around us. Sometimes we think that God is dependent upon us. Now, he invites us to work with him and what he's already doing. And this person, Cornelius, even though I started with Peter in verse 9, God has been at work in his life over a long period of time. He's described as a devout God-fearer. He's respected God along with his household and he's respected by the Jewish people. It tells us that he was a person who prayed. He was generous to those in need. And yet he was still separated from God's family. Here was a person in the community who from his perspective was open and looking to seek God in any way that he can. When people have a heart to seek after God, God will be found. The people of Israel in the Old Testament, when they were in Babylon, in Jeremiah, um, chapter 29, verse 12 and 13, says this, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find you when you seek me with all my heart. And I want to say to you this, that God is at work in our community. We need to be aware of that. God reveals himself to Cornelius and directs him to Peter. So God takes the initiative. Peter wasn't doing a door-knocking campaign to Roman centurions that week. He was hungry. He was up on the top of the roof. God directed Cornelius. And look, there are people around us who are on that journey. And God wants to use you and I. Not so long ago, I went to a church. Um, One of the interesting things when you're the guest speaker is that you tend to turn up early and you can talk to people. And many people, um, I probably don't look like a preacher, so they probably don't think I'm a preacher. And you get in conversations. I met a guy at this church. He was actually on the door that day. And I introduced myself as Steve and he said, can I tell you my story? I said, yeah, that'd be great. He said, not so long ago, a couple of years ago, my life was in an absolute mess. My son had um, potentially terminal um, cancer. Um, I had lost my health. I was not able to work. The stress was killing me. I couldn't sleep at night. And I used to take my dog in about midnight, in the middle of the night, and just walk the streets because I couldn't, couldn't sleep. He said, I was walking this night and I got to a certain point and I yelled out, God, if you exist, help me. And he said, when I yelled that out, I looked up and I saw an illuminated cross on a church building, one of our Baptist churches. He said, that Sunday, I went to that church. I don't know why, but I went to that church and I heard about Jesus. And it wasn't too long before I followed him as my Lord and Saviour and I am part of that church. See, God is at work in our community. There are people who are seeking after him. 
I know um, when I was um, at the Bible College in the field education area, um, my counterpart at the Bible College of Queensland, or whatever we call it now, Brisbane College of Theology, they changed, Bible colleges changed names quicker than anybody else I know. The, the, the fellow there had written his doctorate on Muslim people coming to faith. And one of the things he said to me was that many Muslims, their initiation into the journey to faith is that God gives them a dream and tells them to go and meet somebody in some particular place. And it happens that that person is a Christian and tells them about Jesus. So the first principle is pretty simple, isn't it? Um, Whether we're in it or not, God is at work in our community. Second principle goes like this. God needs to change our thinking in order to reach the community through us. While it's true that God is at work in many hearts, often in our own thinking as the people of God, we have boundaries and restrictions in terms of how we live that out. See, Peter had preached fearlessly at the risk of losing his life to a congregation of people who were within the Jewish framework. But God had to work on his thinking It wasn't that he was just a shrinking flower. No, he was bold. But there were some perimeters or boundaries in his life that God needed to deal with. And so the picture that we have is this. The story account we have is this. That when he goes up to this roof, God lowers down this sheet or blanket full of all these types of meat. There were types of animals there. But there was a problem because in the Jewish law... There were very strict laws about what sorts of food that you ate. And we know that some of these animals, they were um, unclean. And a a self-respecting Jew knew that never would they eat those animals. It's interesting that it said that some of them were impure. And so they probably were animals that they could eat, but only if they had gone through the appropriate rituals and preparation to make them worthy to eat. And so here's Peter, has this vision. Here's the voice of God. And God says something that just blows his mind. He says, get up and eat. And what's Peter's response? He says, um, he says this, surely not. His response is, Lord, I can't eat that. That's against all the rules. It's against what we do. And yet God is teaching him something. And in the passage that we read, we see that three times God says to him, get up and eat. And he says, I can't do it. I can't do it. It just goes against the whole sense of religion and honouring God that I've grown up with. And what does God say? Here's here's the change of thinking. He says, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. See, it's, it's, it's a transformation of thinking. I can't do that. God says, hold on. If you're hearing my voice and I'm telling you to step out in ways that are different to what you're comfortable with, what you've done before, then you need to step out. And what was this about? Well, something was going to happen that would need Peter to take a step of faith. And tell you what, it's for us too. For us too. There can be things in the way that we think. 
We're happy to be followers of Jesus. We're happy to go a certain direction. But when God calls us, it might be to step across the things that we're comfortable with. Here's the third principle. God is inviting us to join him in his work in our community. I've got no doubt that God could do all his work in his own strength. He's all-powerful, all-knowing. But God chooses to work through his body, the church. We are his hands and his feet. And here we have a situation. Here's Peter in the house. He's had the vision about the, the different sorts of food. And then people come knocking on the door from Cornelius. See how the, the timing is all happening. It's God's timing. And asks him to come and to um, visit Cornelius and tell him the truth, tell him the story, teach him about God. And so here's Peter. It's interesting to think, if Peter hadn't had that vision, would he have just told them to go away? There's definitely some reservation here because this is asked to do something that he shouldn't. But God has spoken and so he invites the men to come in as he prepares to go to Cornelius' place. It involved an intentional decision for him to step out of his comfort zone in response to something that God was saying to him. And there was a risk that was involved. It's interesting, isn't it, that when we find that he gets to Cornelius' house, um, in verse 28, um, he actually says something which is really different. Now, try and put this into our thing, and, and our time, but it, it strikes me as a bit unusual. Here is a fellow, minister of the gospel, a person sharing the good news of Jesus. He's invited to come and to share the story at Cornelius's house. He knocks on the door, and here is all these people came to hear. And what does he say to Cornelius? You're well aware that it's against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or even to visit him. <laughs> That's a funny thing to say, isn't it? Somebody who wants to hear the gospel, you know, I'm not really supposed to be here. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. And so when God calls us to join him, don't just think it'll just be real easy. But it's really exciting because God can choose to work through us. God has called, God is at work in our community and he's called this church into being at work with him. He's called us individually. Fourth point. And if you, if you read further on from where we read this morning, um, you will see um, where this happens. We need to be ready not just to relate to people, but to share the gospel. And so if we go down the track and Peter's in um, the house of Cornelius, we see there that Peter goes and shares the good news of Jesus Christ. He tells about Jesus' life, about his death, about his resurrection, so that all who believed in him should have their sins forgiven. So Peter goes... He accepts the welcome. He goes and stands with the people. Big event as it is. But he also shares the good news of Jesus. And I think there's a challenge there for us too. See, around the world, um, certainly churches that, that I move around in, we are getting better at building bridges out into the community. We are opening up the churches for all sorts of events. Um, we are realising that if we are just a closed bunker 
type organisation, we will die out. And so we are reaching out and having all sorts of things, whether it's play groups, whether it's youth groups, whether it's garage sales or whatever, to be part of the wider community. But here's the challenge. It's not only about making people um, or connecting with people, it's about sharing the good news of Jesus with them. And those two things have got to go together. Otherwise, we just become another social organisation. I have a little granddaughter. Um, she's nearly two, two next week. When she was one, we went to the park and some friends came and they brought presents and they wrapped the presents up. And those of you who know about little children will know that what happens is that she unwraps the presents, she takes the present out of the box and then had a great time playing with the wrapping paper and the ribbons and the boxes instead of the present. And that's okay for a small child, isn't it? But God has given us a great gift in Jesus Christ. And sometimes we spend our time playing with the wrapping paper and the boxes and the forms that it comes in. But don't forget the heart of the gospel. And I believe that's what Jesus said too. Jesus knew that there were a lot of other things that we did because we loved people. But at the heart of it, Jesus came to share the good news of the kingdom. And because he had compassion on people, he did a whole lot of other things. But his primary purpose was to share the good news. I think in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 and 36, we can see this. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He shared the good news and because he saw their needs, he reached out and helped them. That's the sort of people God wants us to be. Not impervious to people's needs, but not to also forget about sharing the kingdom. Last point, nearly there. It's God's, is God not us who changes and transforms people's lives? You know, if I try and put myself in Peter's shoes, he's gone through this whole journey to get to the point where he is preaching the gospel to this congregation. Now, I don't know what all preachers are like, but I can imagine as a preacher, you have in your mind, I'm going to present the gospel and then I'm going to call for a response and people can respond to the gospel message. And so that would be really exciting. But what happens in Cornelius's house? Well, it doesn't go to plan. Um, what we read is that Peter began to speak, um, on verse 34, um, and then it comes down to verse 44. While Peter was still speaking his words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. See, it was like another revisit of Pentecost. God came and fell upon those people. And it wasn't at the end and it wasn't neat and tidy. And the people said, oh, look, you know, we've got our doubts about all this, but God has acted and worked and God is building his church. And then Peter says, can anyone keep these people from being baptised with water? That's how God works. It's not because we do it all right, we have a good strategy. God wants us to use some of those things. They're helpful things if they're in their place. But he wants us to be willing to be used by him. And so as you start this year... I just want to leave you with some challenges, um, some possible responses 
in terms of extending God's kingdom. Um, for you individually and for you as a body um, of family here at Sunnybank Baptist. Um, the first response is this, that we're to be a people of prayer. Does my heart good when I hear people talking from the front about prayer meetings? Um, prayer individually, prayer um, in groups, prayer as churches, um, prayer as a family of churches, prayers for our state, prayers for our nation. And there's a growing prayer movement that's happening amongst Christians, but particularly Baptist Christians around Queensland and Australia. Um, last year, we had a number of combined prayer meetings for revival um, in, for Queensland Day, about June the 6th. And um, across the state, people came together in their 50s, their 100s, their 200s to pray. Um, the leaders of our state Baptist denominations have said, we as a nation have got to pray. And so around Easter time this year, there'll be a prayer focus where people across Australia will be praying for revival. We need to be a people who pray. Not because prayer is the formula. Prayer does change things, but it changes us. We hear the voice of God. The second thing is this, and this is probably a bit more personal. God is already at work, but sometimes we're too busy to see the opportunities that he actually gives us. And let me make a confession here. Um, in my job... There's 60 churches in my region. There's 200 churches in Queensland. It's very easy for me to try and define everything into a task. And the beginning of last year, as I sat and thought, if we have a theme of extending God's kingdom, what sort of programs can we run? What can we do in order to try and help churches to reach out to their community? And I believe God really challenged me. Um, part of it was Luke chapter 10, verse 2. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest field. But God did something. He, he, he sort of gave me a bit of a glimpse, and it would be different for different people. And so here I am in my office thinking about things, and God just helped me to see that the opportunities are there. Um, one day I had to go over and donate blood at the blood bank. Not my favourite job, but my father-in-law withdraws so much blood, foolishly, Five or six, or six years ago, I said, I'll start repaying the family debt, but I'm about 20 years behind him because he has it, drinks it quicker than I can give it. I went to the, I went to the blood bank. Here's the nurse, you know, the fellow who um, fills out the forms, takes the blood sample, you, whatever. He said, what do you do? I said, oh, I'm a Baptist pastor. I've got an office just over there. He said, oh, he said, I don't go to church myself, but I went to church the other day. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, I went and saw three of my friends reborn. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. He said, I went to this church and he told me the name of the church, which happens to be my home church, so that was good. I said, oh, yeah, I know that church, good church. He said, I went to this night service and it was full of people, lots of young people, and my three friends, they got out the front and they told their story about how their life had been going in the wrong way and how Jesus had come into their life. And then they took them down into this big swimming pool and they went down and they came out reborn. I said, that's great. He said, yeah. He said, oh, he said, they need it. Their lives were a mess. He said, they were going in the wrong way and this has changed their life. And I thought to myself, hey, 
God's at work in lots of different ways, isn't there? All those conversations. You know, we think there's us here and whatever, but out there, God is challenging people's thinking. It was not long after that that I was sent down to Melbourne to some meetings. First time I've been on this um, committee. Now, this probably tells you I'm a bit, a bit tight with money, but um, I thought that they wanted me to pay for the... We've got one of these maxi tab, um, cabs, picked us up outside of the um, Baptist Church in Collins Street in Melbourne, and all these other experienced committee people said, you sit in the front with the driver. And I thought, aha, you know, I know, when it comes to paying, they'll want my credit card and, and whatever. So I sit down, not in the most spiritual frame of mind, and this Indian taxi driver looks at me and he says, are you a father? And I said, yeah, I have two children, um, 27 and 23. No, 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 he said, he pointed at the church, he said, are you a father? Oh, you mean, am I a pastor? Yes, I am. He said, he said I'm, I'm um, a Muslim. He said, but could you tell me about baptism? I said, yeah, why? He said, well, like, you know, if, if there was a baptism on at the church, would I be allowed to go and see it? I said, yeah, do you understand what baptism's about? No, can you tell me? And so we had a very long drive. God was good with the traffic that day for 45 minutes. Um, <laughs> he asked all his questions. Um, you know, I mean, we, we say, oh, how hard is it to get a chance to witness? But if somebody wants to explain Christian baptism, I don't know if anybody can go wrong, really. Um, and we talked about his family and, and all that sort of stuff and what he believed. And at the end of the day, he shook my hand and he said, thank you for teaching me about your faith. And I thought to myself, here's a guy who's stuck in an office going around talking to Christians all day, but God's at work out there. Are we going to have eyes and hearts that say, Lord, wherever I'm going today, help me to see the opportunities that are there. And the third thing is this. You may have seen in various places last year that we printed um, some cards that we call plus four cards. God wants us to pray for people who don't know Jesus yet. He wants us to be a people of prayer. And one of my colleagues, um, and there's no, no particularly new um, ideas in this, but one of my colleagues put this together. And um, in great faith, we produced something like 6,000 of these cards and they ran out quickly and we produced another 10,000. And um, I'm sort of getting towards the bottom of the barrel again. So, um, but our um, Emil Rahimov, who's our ethnic pastor, he's already translated into five languages and printed some for the ethnic churches. And the churches around Australia of those language groups are asking for them. But it's not the, it's not the card, it's the heart of the people. Because it just says simply this. Write down four people, names of four people who don't know Jesus yet that you're going to pray for. And then on the back it says these four things. Pray, ask God to place in your heart four people who don't know Jesus yet and pray for them. Um, the guy who wrote it loves coffee shops, I think, because he says percolate. Develop authentic relationships with those four people. Coffee's a great conversation starter, but I believe tea and soft drink works just as well. Pour out. Love them extravagantly, unconditionally. Let, let's pour out our lives and persuade Tell them your story. Do this with sensitivity. Don't forget to ask for a gentle response. And then it suggests that maybe there are a couple of other people who you might say, can we get together and pray together? Um, this is not a gimmick or a scheme. But I'll tell you what, God moves when his people pray. He gives us the opportunities. And um, so what I've done today, and not to embarrass anybody, 
I've brought some and left them down the front of the stage here. And my suggestion is simply this, that at the end of the service, if you'd like to take one of those and consider about people who you could pray for, then come and take one. Take it home before you, between you and God and start praying. Um, we have heard, there's always stories. Um, I know somebody told me that um, somebody took one of those cards and the next week they came back and said, I wrote down four friends from school days who I haven't seen for ages. And she said, in the next week, those four people all contacted me. God's at work, see? It's not, it's not what we're doing to make it happen. It's God's at work. I want to pray for you guys. Sunnybank Baptist, a church that's got a history of reaching out to its community. There's a changing context of this world. Um, but our job's not over. God wants to use this church even more strongly and more effectively for his kingdom's sake because his heart never fails for this place. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we pray that you would continue to um, be at work around about us. More than that, Lord, we thank you for the privilege that you give us of cooperating and being part of your plan. Father, give us um, hearts full of faith and eyes that see the opportunities that you give us. Help us to be um, bearers of the good news of Jesus um, in word and in action. And Father, we pray, Lord, that... Um, any barriers or boundaries that we put in your way, that you would break them down, that we would have the heart of God in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. And they all said, Amen. Amen. Thank you.